Hello, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. Today is January 16th, no, January 17th, 2024, and we're going to talk about the week ahead. I'm here with Christina. Hello, Christina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I was distracted by the video, and so I completely forgot <laughs> that I usually do the opening. I know. I was like, I was wondering that. I was like, is she going to do it, or did she just forget? I think she forgot. I, and then I was like, I think. I forgot. I think if I wait here in yeah, silence, she'll remember. <laughs> waiting in silence, waiting in silence. Oh, that's right. It's me. It's my turn. I got to talk. <laughs> what day is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, maybe we should record one of the fancy intros now um and also we should get a theme song i i in the beginning we joked about that we're like no theme songs no recording like just raw uh you know (laughs) improv nonsense but now now it seems more real yeah yeah i think yeah if we can get some nice music get some recording like I mean, it's funny because I think just all I can think about is some, like, 90s, like, kind of cheesy synth, you know, just like, coming in, like, welcome to the Skies and Currents podcast. You know, that's all I can imagine it being in my head. I know it it, it won't be that. No, it definitely won't be that. I mean, I feel like I would never allow it to be that. (laughs) No, I know. No, 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 no. I wouldn't either, but in my head, that's all I can. That's all you can. That's all the limits of your imagination for our music, for our podcast us is cheesy 90s synth. Come on now. (laughs) I have not consumed a lot of media. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. In the last 20 years or so. so. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I've spoken to you like we've texted a mm-hmm. bunch, but this is the first time I'm hearing your voice since the uh, mm-hmm. tongue tie revision. And you sound great. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but I'm guessing you don't. It's feel not. Great. It's not as bad as I expected. I really was anticipating it to feel more like a big mouth sore or burn. Yeah, because that's the only other time you ever get mouth pain, you know. And not, it's not like that at all. Oh, good. It's like kind of, it's indescribable. And if I'm not moving, I can forget it's happening. Um, I just have to wait for it to heal up. Indescribable. And then it'll be great. Well, <laughs> I could probably describe it, but I don't want to, it's, I, I know that some people are squeamish and I don't want to be uh, inconsiderate of oh, that okay. because it's like several layers of squeamish possibility. Uh-huh. You know, it's like your mouth. It's, it's like, this is the opposite of a bro podcast. Minor surgery. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to make anyone squeamish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't listen to, I, I've not listened to podcasts, so I don't know what people it do. It would be like, bro. What bro, do you do, Christina? They cut through the tissue. I actually have no idea. What... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they did? They There is some tissue that needs to be um, cut through, but they use a, a laser. Oh. And so it's actually pretty great. Um, and it was very, very small. And the dentist that I go to, it's like, like, this is definitely his personal interest in art. And he's still learning like conferences about this all the time. And he is like, so precise that he'll only do tiny little amounts of anything at once and then go back and fix it. Like he's, 
he's really experienced. He's been doing this for a long time, wow. but he has not gained that overconfidence. Like, oh, yeah. this is it. Like, I've had a lot of work with him done, like for big things so far. And every single thing has been like that. Like, it's been like, okay, we're going to try it like this. Okay, that's not working. Let's try the, you know, like he won't jump to the most extreme thing. He just does a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Um, so it was the same so he was dentist great. that did the revision. I thought mm -hmm. it was a separate surgeon. Wow. No, no. This was part of my whole package of problems. Oh, wow. I mean, this one was really optional. Yeah. And they were like, look, this could help you a lot if you wanted. It's probably contributing to some of your other dental problems. And a lot of people find that it uh, uh, diminishes tension in their body. And I was one of those people. It was pretty cool. It was within um, moments of it being done. Uh, like I could feel the tension release in my jaw and then in my neck. And then there was like this kind of like radiating from the center of my upper back, like this radiating relaxation. And then I started feeling like my arms were going to like float up. Like I was like, oh, I feel great. So that's wild. I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I know. It happened that fast. It's, it's like it's immediately. Holy shit. I, they said that happens sometimes, but not all the time. But I guess as it heals, there's a tendency for the fascia to contract again. Oh, okay. So that's why I have to spend, today was my last day of just like gentle relaxation of the tongue. And then I have to spend the next week and a half doing exercises to make sure that the fascia stays oh, okay. flexible so I, don't, so I don't revert back to some of the tension that I'm not looking forward to. I'm so glad that, that it's been so, <laughs> so quickly. That's amazing. Yay. It's a, a full plutonium transformation. Woo. Yay. And I did feel strangely, I did have like some old emotional memories come up earlier in the day before I had to go. I was like, why am I thinking about this? And why is it making me sad? Like, like, yeah. like I don't get sad about this. Um, but I was like, I guess this is kind of a big deal. Well, yeah. Sick. I mean, we talked about it in the last episode, but this is like the culmination of Pluto going through your third house. And so the third house is communication, right? That's one of the primary communications, yeah. like communication, talking, writing, etc. But also um, a lot of early childhood is sort of kept in that same house because um, it's hmm. childhood education. It's like where you grew up, the culture, or like the immediate neighborhood culture, like extended family, siblings that helped like form you. So mm -hmm. it also makes sense that early memories would be kind of coming up. Kind of surfacing. So. It's funny also because I've had, I've gotten a few people text me about my uh, chart about like, oh, I think I have that too. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember what, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I just want everyone, so I don't I just want everyone to know that you're all, that if you continue to listen to this pod, if we continue to do this podcast and you continue to listen to it, you're all going to know my chart so much better than I do. I know it doesn't stick inside of me at all. Like I've had it done so many times. Like I've rediscovered having Pluto in my first house probably like a dozen times or so by now. We literally and talk I will about again. it every week. When we talk in between the two of us, like even more frequently, I was like, when we were recording the last podcast and you were like, I have Pluto in my first house. I was like, Tess, what the fuck? 
talked about this so many times. I don't. I was. I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm retaining other kinds of information. Like, I don't think that I'm. Like, I don't think I do. that I might. I don't think that I. I don't think I've spent the last twenty years unable to learn anything. But for whatever reason, I just said oh no. God, it was too much. I was like, I can't. This is hilarious. Yeah. And it's not just like that you have Pluto in your first house. It's like one of the major descriptive like pieces of your chart. Like that has like the most to do with like, who you well, are right, in the so world. Probably, so, and I've had I've had astrological readings from at least four to no no five different people. So, listen, like that's not. I'm really just not paying attention. You're one of those people, and I appreciate this. Who are just like, yeah, 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 whatever. But why do I feel this way right now? And what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, I'm kind of more interested. Yeah, yeah. I'm more interested in like the present. Yeah. Which is general circumstance. Um, so, yeah. So, if uh, I mean, I have no, I, I'm always happy to get texts and please continue to communicate with me regardless of how much I don't know. <laughs> please don't let that deter you. But oh um, if I'm confused, that's why right. I don't remember. Well, fair enough um okay so this week i want we talked about pluto a lot in our last conversation but i kind of want to just keep talking about it because um like today okay i'm gonna look at the chart of right now um because i noticed when we were getting ready i'm like oh yeah okay so like at this very moment, so it's Wednesday afternoon around 3.45, and this is the last um, time the moon will square Pluto before it moves. So we have an Aries moon squaring Pluto, uh, Pluto and Capricorn. Uh, the sun is about two degrees away from Pluto, um, and on early saturday morning here in the west coast the sun will conjoin pluto for the very last pluto sun conjunction in capricorn for the rest of our lives <laughs> so pretty significant um it's within the sun's within two degrees of pluto right now so this whole week has been like very plutonian and then <laughs> we have um cancer rising right now so at this moment the rising sign where i am is opposing pluto so i was like okay this we've picked a very <laughs> a very good time and a good moment to talk about pluto um and yeah i so what i did is i kind of was just curious to go back and look at some of the big moments of Pluto's transit through Capricorn, which began in 20, 2008, January of 2008, and ends this year. So on Saturday, Pluto moves into Aquarius. Um, he will briefly move back into Capricorn in September, the end of September, just for about... Um, a little over a month but the bulk of 
Pluto's transit through Capricorn is ending this week. And this will be the last time we get a Sun-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. <clears throat> and I think it's really interesting that actually <laughs> the conjunction that's happening on Saturday is at um, 29.59. So 29 degrees. The very like the very very end of capricorn um pluto and the sun are making their final conjunction and then they both move into aquarius together like kind of like hand in hand like the sun is basically shining its light directly on pluto as they move into aquarius together um so i think that's pretty <laughs> it's pretty interesting that that shift is being highlighted so brightly by the sun and it just feels like it's creating these these two weeks of just extreme pluto focus so wrapping up one 16 year um transit of pluto through capricorn and then shifting into pluto and aquarius which is going to be 20 years so I don't want to talk so much about Pluto and Aquarius yet because we'll just probably end up talking about that quite a lot over the next mm -hmm. several years. <laughs> um, but I was curious to like just look back at how what Pluto and Capricorn triggered and how it kind of affected us and what we might be kind of letting go of or um needing to process or transform as pluto sort of comes off of creating this heavy pressure and intensity in capricorn so yeah does that sound good yeah sounds great since once again, relearning that I have Pluto in my first house. I've changed my position on Pluto since the last conversation. I'm like, yeah, Pluto. Pluto's great. <laughs> right. So, I mean, because you are like a very Plutonian person. So I think last, after um, after we recorded last time, you were like, oh, I'm sort of like a Persephone archetype because you have Venus and Pluto together in your first house. And I think that is actually a really astute. What was that? In Scorpio too, yeah. right? In Scorpio. Yeah. So Tessa's first house is Scorpio. She has Pluto and Venus in her first house. And it is, you do in a lot of ways have this sort of Persephone vibe, right? Because you are able to uh, take people into the depths. You're able to see into the depths of, of a person, um, like into their psychology, but also into their subtle form, which is unseen by most people. And that's like a huge Pluto um, signification is taking us into the depths, taking us into the places that we can't see. Um, but you're also able to trigger processes internally that take people through uh, a process of transformative change, which I think is the key signification, the key concept of Pluto is 
everything related to change. Um, and that sounds really basic, but I've been thinking about it a lot this week, just like constantly. And I've been excited to talk to you about it too, as this like very Plutonian person, <laughs> because a lot of what gets thrown around when we talk about Pluto is big, um, kind of big, scary words, transformation, mm. violence, intensity, um, extremes, power, um, like the dark sort of unseen uh, pathways of power, like everything related to how power can harm us, but also how it can change us. Um, and so I was trying to like create a better framework in my mind because even as an astrologer, sometimes I think I fall into this trap of like generalizing Pluto stuff. I'm just like, ah, it'll you know, just fucking Pluto, just be intense and like scary and probably unpleasant, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, as I've observed in my own life, as someone who has Pluto, has had Pluto blasting her son by opposition for the last three years, it can take you through a big change process or transformation process, but it's kind of like up to how we engage with it that is going to dictate how much that change gets, like how deeply the change gets sewn through our life, you know? Mm. And do we resist the change? Um, and so it's just like straight up fighting and unpleasantness, you know, for the whole process that never really results in change? Do we engage in it, you know, at a shallow level of depth, a medium depth, a deep depth, you know, like those are things that are going to dictate what Pluto is able to kind of break open in our life. Um, so, so yeah, I was trying to come up with a better framework and I kind of wrote down some ideas and concepts that I've been like thinking about today and, and, and for the last maybe seven days since our last podcast. Um, but this idea that Pluto kind of initiates a process. Um, and usually, you know, sometimes it's a conscious thing that we're like trying to do, but a lot of times it's something that we just get sucked into, something in our life breaks, um, something, you know, forces us to face a piece of ourself or a piece of the world or a piece of our family or a piece of something that initiates a process, right? Um, mm -hmm. And sort of like the first stage of that process tends to be, um, and we see this in the world, and I'll kind of talk about it when we look back at the last 16 years to see how it's like had broad scale implications. But the first thing we tend to interact with with Pluto is fear, right? Because what are people afraid of more than anything? <laughs> Changing. Um, so Pluto brings up big, big fear. And sometimes it can be internal fear. Sometimes it can be real tangible, like things to be afraid of in the world that can hurt us. Um, sometimes they're 
fears from the past, but we know that fear is sort of like the first wall that we'll run into or have to walk through with Pluto. And then the next like big Pluto signification after that is power. And I was trying to, I was trying to think about this, like why, why is Pluto um, so strongly associated with fear and power? And I was like, well, they're both like really integral to the change process, right? Because in order to change anything, we need power. Um, if we're trying to change something in the external world, we need some sort of power to change it, whether it's literally like cutting a piece of wood into, we're like using power to exert that, you know, shift. Um, we're using the power of our bodies. We're using force. Um, if we're trying to change something in the culture and society, we need collective power. Um, a lot of people's voices, a lot of people's actions. You know, if we want to change something in the political system, we have to, as individuals, rise to power <laughs> within that system to exert change over it. So there's, it, and Pluto sort of um, if highlights both like the power that we need to take hold of and all of the resistance to change in society that comes in the form of power structures all of like the shady and um, unsavory ways that power is used or hoarded those are all things that we encounter with pluto um and then the next like really big sort of associations uh the association we get with pluto is like um i'm just calling it depth but i think it's like related to um our the need to go into places that we're either um typically afraid of or typically are 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 we're not we're not able to access so whether that's like the depths of our own psychology or deep into knowledge about a system um or deep into a mystery like these are all those three fear power like gaining access to depth those are kind of the three main things that we see with pluto and i was realizing and maybe this is totally obvious and i should have realized it a long time ago but i was realizing these are all like essential parts of any sort of transformation process um or change process and the one thing we can expect from Pluto is not that he'll take us all the way through the process, but that he will initiate a process of some sort, of some kind. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of rambling, but um, I, I just was curious to get your take on that because you are such a Plutonian person and because change and transformation is like so integral to what you do. Um, and I realize now that I don't really have like a specific question for you, but, um, <laughs> oh, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, so just because Pluto initiates something doesn't mean that anything that will be initiated will be carried through. Right. Um, and we were talking, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about fear 
last like a um, couple days ago. And so I've been thinking about just that conversation too and how hard it is to have that conversation because um, e- e- like arguably fear is at the base <laughs> of all of our other unpleasant emotions. Right. Um, it's, you know, this really, really foundational force um, that's driving most of us into like a variety of self-destructive processes and it can just it's just a hard thing to tell anybody how not to do so right because so much of what we are presently afraid of is based on things that we like fear that we didn't have the chance to really process from things that happened beforehand mm. or from our parents that kind of projected fears out. Sorry, I keep hitting my microphone. Fears that kind of they had and they projected onto the world for us that we took on without fully understanding them. Um, and then I was talking to, to Jeffrey a little bit about the idea of like past life fears, mm. right? So this kind of these, these really primordial phobias of like spiders, right? Is that in our DNA from when we were like, you know, tiny little primates and there were still spiders that were catching us in their webs. Is that, because it's, you know, it's a phobia that doesn't really make sense for most of us, but for some yeah. people it's a very primal fear and I go back much further right. than just this life. So, but the one thing that I just kept coming back to is that what we are the most afraid of, especially as, you know, the very privileged group of people that we are that get to spend a lot of time talking about this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, is we're afraid of our feelings. You know, most people are more afraid of feeling fear, of mm-hmm. feeling shame, feeling sadness, of feeling all of these things. And so a lot of the different ways that we, um, like a lot of the self-destructive patterns that we develop are simply to avoid feeling because we're afraid of feeling. And I think a lot of that is um, the result of being raised in a culture that punishes children for feeling, Hmm. like very, very specific, um, you know, and also one of the, you know, punishment either through, uh, you know, some kind of violence or isolation or shame or threat of any of those things is like a very, very main, like common mainstream way of um, dealing with, you know, babies and toddlers and young children's feelings. And so as a result, you know, a lot of us have just decided like, okay, I I can't feel those things. I can't handle feeling those things. The people around me can't handle feeling those things. And it kind of creates this core fear um, within us that prevents us from processing all the other fears. <laughs> right. So it's like this terrible, terrible cascade of, like, this is why it's so hard to tell people, like, oh, just, you know, fix that. Just figure that out, you know, because it, it's yeah. so, it's just so challenging. But I think one thing that can really help is um, practicing feeling the fear, you know, just kind of practice being in fear without um, jumping to any other 
thing, whether that's solutions or action or comfort yeah. or anything else. Um, it, and then I kind of was thinking about the bro podcast guys that are like adrenaline junkies and they're like, do something you're afraid of every day. And I'm like, that's not, you're getting, getting, getting off on adrenaline is not the same thing. Yeah, it's not yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Like you have to do something that's, you know, because different people, I mean, it could just be like intimacy, right? It could just be like, you know, putting yourself out there, exposing yourself, um, setting yourself, you know, putting yourself into a situation that you might be um, rejected or you might feel, you know, badly about. Like there's just a million different things that we're afraid of and everyone's going to have their own thing. Um, but probably for, I'm just imagining the bro guys being like, I jump off skyscrapers every day, man. I'm not afraid of anything now. I'm like, well, but can you have like a real conversation with somebody that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's your, how, what, how, what's your like level of handling humiliation? Like, how are you doing with humiliation? Right. Um, and so, you know, just kind of learning to, when you have fear come up and most of us do, right. Most of us have the, the world's, there's plenty of things in the world to be worried about. Right. Like, and you can start with just anxiety. Like, what are the things I'm anxious about? And you can sit with them. Um, and then, sorry, this is super nerdy, or maybe it's cool now because of the new movies. I don't know. But um, when I was a kid, I did the, there's like a mantra from the Dune books. Oh, I think you've told me about this, actually. Yeah. Have I told you? Yeah. So it's um, when I was little, I used to watch the David Lynch version of this movie uh -huh. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Which is not appropriate for children. Don't show your children. <laughs> I don't understand quite what was happening in my life You're... or at that window of time. This actually makes a lot of sense, Tess. I can just imagine you as a little I girl know. watching David Lynch version of Dune, which is like popularly Dude. considered to be quite a bad movie. I know. I, I know. I, mean, I know that even, I know that David Lynch even is not pleased with how it turned out. Yeah. And I understand it's, it's a really hard story to tell. It's a massive undertaking. There are so many characters and so much internal dialogue. Um, the books are fantastic. I read the books when I was 13 and 14, and they're still my favorite books. But I started doing the mantra when I was much, much younger. Um, and now the new movies, at least the first one, I thought was great. Like, I don't think they could have done a better job of it yeah. um, so far. So. Anyway, but this isn't about so much about that. <laughs> just about there's they call it a it's described in the book as a litany against fear that's used by a religious group mm -hmm. um but it is very much a mantra and it's i must not fear fear is the mind killer fear is the little death that brings total obliteration i will face my fear i will permit it to pass over me and through me and when it has gone past i will turn the inner eye to see its path where the fear has gone there will be nothing only i remain and I only remembered recently that I did this mantra so many times because I was doing it at the dentist. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's oh right. Because. That is wild. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> because I had, I think it was when I had the extract, the, the molar extraction, like I was, you know, more yeah. concerned about all of that and the recovery and everything and also it's good when you're in the chair to keep your blood pressure down and to be like yeah. very calmed because it just makes the whole process easier 
Um, talk so about like, like the childhood right resurfaced in my yeah. mind well right, oh, yeah, yeah. for you like, especially because like you know you have access to so many other tools now like and other mantras and yeah like you've yeah, you know, I... introduced me to Mirtan Jaya which is like you know the you know Shiva mantra for overcoming the fear of death and I know that you've practiced that like for so many years but like you're sitting in your chair like really feeling like this present fear of this dental work and you go back to like the dune mantra that you were saying when you're a little girl like that's kind of amazing <laughs> it is funny isn't it like it, i mean yeah because i've been doing ritu and jaya mantra like very regularly for nine years so yeah it's and that is the shiva who overcomes the fear of death yeah. that would be the one to go to but no went back to this one <laughs> but i went but but it is a great yeah it's very poetic and... it's great it's it's very poetic, but it also is um, the part that is like the best part is that I will permit it to pass over me and through me. Mm -hmm. Like that's the part that you really need to like be with the mantra when you're doing because what most of us do when we have fear come up is we try to like grab it. Right. Like we try to like push it down or we try to put it somewhere. Or we try to stop it or we try to like push it into another feeling. Yeah. Like sadness or anger. Or, uh, you know, in some cases it could be kind of like a manic elation or, yeah, like, or like humor or, you know, like we try to like take the fear and push it somewhere else. Um, but in the mantra, it says like, you let it pass through you, you let it pass through yeah. you, you let it pass through you. And then once that stops, once the sensation is gone, then you kind of like scan yeah. your system and you're like, I'm still here. And um, that can practice doing that i mean that's gonna do wonders do wonders because every time you start to because it's not just that it's going to help you every time you do it it's that every time you do it it's going to be easier and easier and easier yeah because you've um practiced doing it and you won't be as concerned or wary of stepping into circumstances that might scare you because you know that you can handle fear because you've had right. that practice. You're like, no, I can be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of being afraid. I can be afraid. I'm used to it. I'm good with it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and, and this is one of those, if you want to start somewhere, this is probably a really good place to start because if you then want to do further healing work or further transformational work, you will get pushed into you know, the dark recesses of yourself right. and those fears come up like the like the things you will be avoiding, they will surface. You know, I, I always imagine it kind of like, um, like an archeological dig, right? you know, only more like only it's almost more like digging for an underground well or something. And it's like, you want that water, like you want the, so the, the source, the water that's underneath the earth. You want that. But as you do that, you're going to have to encounter everything that's covering it up. And also as you do that, all of those layers are going to become thinner and way more easy to like break off big pieces that you weren't expecting. Right. And so like you're just doing tap, 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 ooh, a little bit of anxiety, getting some support for that, you know, tap, tap, tap. Oh crap, here's a giant hunk of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I was not anticipating and I wasn't feeling ready to deal with and it's coming at me. Um, and so hopefully you have a support system that 
you know, is going to help you process that, that is very, very readily available for you. But also if you've already kind of done the, like, no, I can deal with fear thing. Um, yeah. You can be like, okay, don't like this. Don't like it, but I don't have to be like, so concerned yeah. about processing. Well, it's interesting because I, I came into this episode wanting to talk about, you know, Pluto and Capricorn and the way that it that it has impacted the culture and you know how that might be reflected in our own lives and I I still want to get to that but it's it's so interesting as I'm listening to you talk because um if we conceptualize Pluto as you know if if there's these like three sort of obstacles or channels that we know are going to come up with with any Pluto transit like in in, if the first one is fear and being able to as you're saying like practice being afraid basically (laughs) and sort of be able to neutralize it within our system it's it's fascinating for me to think of it in terms of my own life because I am just finishing a Pluto Sun opposition, right? Which is oppositions and conjunctions tend to be the most intense aspects that you can have, just period. Like they're the the biggest aspect. <laughs> um they're not the biggest, but the the most um they have the most impact, right? So when two planets come together, that's a huge impact, a fusion of those planetary energies. Um the opposition. So when planets and two opposing signs are like uh, coming into contact by degree it's very similar um a sort of a similar merging of the energies but then you get the two the two opposing signs and their opposition sort of like uh impacting that aspect as well um but yeah so i had pluto opposing my sun and because because Pluto moves so slowly, it was really something that happened over a period of like about five years. So um, I got divorced and had um, my first like big internal opening in the same time period at the um, like it started basically as Pluto got within one degree of my um, the opposition to my son. And I just, you know, I don't ever remember in my life feeling that much fear before, you know, <laughs> and just like, but exactly what you were saying where it was like, I, I just didn't, I just resisted for so long even approaching it because like even approaching the divorce um, because I was so afraid of it, you know, (laughs) and I just didn't want to feel the bad feelings that would come up. And I think that, you know, I catastrophized for a long time of all the things that could happen if I were to get divorced but but really I I remember very specifically in uh 2021 when we were like in the actual sort of like heat of it 
um, having that realization, like really clearly, like this, I just have to be okay with being like sad, scared and, um, and afraid, you know? And, and like I had never really fully um, realized that before and it's so simple but you know it's just like I just it's just gonna feel bad no matter what no matter what I do it's gonna feel bad <laughs> there's no way around it, it feeling bad you know and that like 2021 was you know absolutely uh the most transformative year of my life by far um i guess in the sense that it like it was the the walking through the threshold moment you know um and it mm -hmm. felt like everything in my life was taking on these like plutonian <laughs> this this plutonian uh color you know or or uh quality you know the intensity of everything that i was experiencing the the intensity you know of my ex at the time was so big you know and plutonian and 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 just like i feel like my divorce is one of the most like plutonian transformation processes that one of the most tangible plutonian transformation processes i can imagine because it was so successful in the sense that I think that both me and my ex like changed so much for the better, you know, to the point of like, you know, we're, I think, as good of friends as we could be now, you know, now. And like, I think he's doing so well and I'm so, you know, happy for him and like I feel like he totally transformed and I totally transformed so it's like both of us got the benefit of pulling that thread of the Pluto Pluto transformation all the way <laughs> you know like maybe not all the way mm -hmm. but pretty deeply you know into both of our lives and into both of our psyches and into both of our personalities but um but yeah that fear threshold was so big like and I think you know the application of Pluto to my son um, it was just like years of feeling it coming and just resisting, you know, like putting, putting yeah. the brakes on, like at least, uh, tangibly like a year and a half, you know, of just like, I will not, like, I can't, like, it's too, it's too big. It's too scary, you know? And there was really nothing, mm -hmm. you know, the actual real threat, you know, it wasn't that big, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting because I hadn't even really thought about it until just now, the degree to which that Pluto transit impacted me exactly, you know, along these three, these three pathways, you know, like facing the fear first and then having to go into the depths of then trying to like reckon with with my own power, you know, I'm still in that part. I'm still figuring that part out. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, you, even as you're talking about this, I'm like, I can't believe it's only been three years. 
that's wild yeah how much has changed i mean we we started we separated at the at the beginning of 2020 uh but then we actually like we won't we actually got to started the process of getting divorced in 2021 but yeah it was like exactly and i normally associate the pluto sun opposition sort of with like doing the spiritual work with you and like um you know, s- starting to feel this change inside of me that I couldn't really understand. Um, and I think that the two are like getting divorced and that, you know, internal opening are related, but it does feel like that tangible, like wall of fear that Pluto shoves you into that, that portal felt like, you know, it was, it was the divorce or the separation, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a hard thing because, like, I mean, you said that you were resisting for a few years, but that doesn't, it doesn't mean you were wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you do just have to do things at the time that they make sense or at the time that they absolutely must happen. Yeah. Um, And so, and even if it's just, like, the opposite of being afraid isn't just being dumb you know it's not just like doing things (laughs) I'm not afraid I was gonna do it you know what I mean it should just you know it might have just given you more space to be like okay let me think about the timing more clearly and feel less afraid going into this um but I'm guessing the timing probably still would have been almost exactly the same yeah no it was it was pretty like (laughs) it was pretty directly related with that that Pluto sun opposition and, and for me like I know that the the marriage and the and the divorce were the gateway to the bigger internal change because I have my son in the eighth house and the eighth house is like everything that we do in union with another person like it's the place where like that contains like the marital collaboration the marital resources the marital like um you know the stuff of 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 being mm-hmm. with someone you know and i have that theme running through my life in so many ways you know like um like i have a lot of really collaborative friendships and collaborative relationships and um i think that eighth house sun shines into my life through a lot of different pathways but definitely like pluto shoving me into a process that initiation was like you're gonna have to break up one of these like really big collaborations that you are like bound to very strongly that your ego is bound to that your like life is structured around like you're gonna have to fucking break it open and walk right through it (laughs) yeah well and that's that's why i mean one of that's one of the reasons that people don't like change very much is that you don't you do lose things yeah you're gonna lose things and you don't always you don't really get to choose <laughs> you know you don't, you can't really anticipate what it's gonna be yeah um sometimes you can but a lot of times you're like oh i don't want this one thing but i want to keep this other thing and it's like no they're the same thing yeah they're bound together um and they both have to go and that's it, it, that's scary like that's legitimately very scary yeah and then it's like, it, and it was interesting because, because for me, it like tracked 
really closely with like doing it was after a year of working doing your meditations at inner currents that I you know had this like big internal opening it was like February of 2021 and I mean I think I filed for a divorce like March of 2021 so it was like <laughs> it was like I got sucked inside like so deep into these places where I like had never been didn't even didn't even know existed <laughs> and then it was like all of the fear just like didn't matter anymore it was just like you have no choice like it was like file move leave your like leave the community that you've lived in for like you know 12 years which is like everything everything must go it's like one of those like final sale and right yeah. in, and, and right in the middle of like the world being very much also in its place of like now all your favorite restaurants are gone yeah. you know like it was like actually everything like the whole world went away yeah yeah so it was like getting sucked into the depths and having to explore yeah to explore much deeper parts of myself that i didn't know existed um and then yeah like having to confront all of the power that wants to keep you from stepping into those places and all and have to generate all the power that you need to keep moving forward you know <laughs> and like I don't know maybe there's like I don't know what the final I don't know how deep I went versus how deep I can go like I feel like it's kind of weird because Pluto is about to move off my sun and because my son is at like 28 degrees of cancer, I, it still really is opposing my son. So Saturday is sort of like the end of that. So um, part of me is going yeah. like, fuck, like, did I go deep enough? Like, I don't know. Like, did I, did I, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the end, if there is like, I'm sure there isn't like an end process of this kind of a transformational effort, you know, but I, Versus whether or not the windows just close, you know? I don't think, I mean, first of all, you got a heck of a lot done. <laughs> so I don't think you should be wondering if you did enough. Probably, you know, you got a lot done in those years. Um, you can all, it, I think that, you know, when it comes to internal work, you can always continue digging. It's just that there's certain windows of time that it's more supported yeah, than other times. But like, it, there's just only so much, you know? So if you imagine, if you imagine like digging a hole, you know, and it's like, okay, we're going to not dig. Okay. We're going to dig straight down because there's some really soft earth right here. And okay, we've reached rocks. So now we're going to dig from the side and we're going to try to, you know, like technically you could still keep digging down. It just would be yeah. harder. But, you know, if you kind of have a pretty solid idea of the hole you're digging. Yeah. Even if you don't know what it's, even if you don't know what's underneath it, if you have this idea, like we're getting through this, you know, the movement of the planets, I think is actually kind of a nice thing to break it up and make right. it, um, sustainable probably in the long term because you're not just doing one thing forever um and then the other thing the other re way that i think of the planets often is like vacuuming you know how like you vacuum 
how like you vacuum the carpet yeah. one way and it's like and then you pull it back and it like exposes the carpet on the other way so if you totally. imagine the planets are all just like different vacuums and they're all just going to help loosen up different bits of stuff like that's gotten underneath the fibers from different angles like yeah that's all helpful that's all you know you can't just you can't just vacuum one part of the carpet forever you gotta like eventually gotta keep going now pluto will head toward my moon <laughs> in going. aquarius i'm going from like a sun pluto opposition directly into a moon pluto conjunction so probably just hit a totally different moon part of my pluto yeah hmm that's a lot scarier that can be nice. because is it? I think so. Yeah. Because the moon represents your body a lot more directly uh, than the sun. Okay. And um, yeah, scary. also like moon Pluto is like the biggest fear aspect you can have because Pluto, in addition to represent, um, excuse me, the moon, in addition to representing your body, represents your emotions to a certain extent. Right. So it's just mm-hmm. like probably big. Yeah. Like ocean, ocean of fear, big ocean of fear. Yeah. It'll be like much more directly, probably a whole new set of fears that are, I can't imagine, like probably not necessarily bigger than, you know, the fears related to leaving my marriage, but just maybe deeper or more widespread or something. It'll probably be like fear about communication mm-hmm. because going to my third house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's funny because sometimes like the things that are the scariest are not the bad things. Hmm. You know, sometimes the things that, you know, you kind of get into a groove, you're like, okay, I can deal with scary bad things. And then it's like, all these good things are going to happen. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't think, I don't know if I can do that. Like, <laughs> how, what am I going to have to do to like, to, to handle all these blessings? Oh my God. Am I going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that can be scary too. Yeah. So it might be something like that. Kind of like moon blessings, more kind of like oceanic life themes and emotional integrative life themes being like, I can't handle it's too much it's like too much water yeah well we'll see <laughs> up coming up next find out. <laughs> um but yeah so you know that was like a lot of talking about my personal life which I wasn't planning on but it just seemed really relevant to what you were saying about mm-hmm. the fear and like just the I realized like that without even thinking about it this Plutonian transformation as related to fear, power, and depth kind of really tracked exactly with my experience of the Pluto-Sun opposition. But it is, like, I do, the thing that I really wanted to explore and talk about is, like, so Pluto's been in Capricorn since 2008. And we touched on this in the last podcast, but I felt like we could have talked about it a lot more and and it had just kind of popped into my mind when I brought it up. Um, so I didn't have fully formed thoughts around it and I still maybe don't have fully formed thoughts around it, but just like the impact of Pluto and Capricorn on the millennial generation, um, I feel like has been huge. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Capricorn is essentially 
the sign, the zodiac sign of the patriarch, right? So it's the institutions of power of across, you know, the full spectrum of the culture. So it's like, you know, whether it's the banking institutions or the government institutions or the structures at our job or um, to a certain extent, like security institutions, um, anyone with authority in the culture or any group with authority in the culture. So police, military, um, the patriarchy with you know, male dominance, um, any sort of dominant paradigm, like all of that would kind of land to a certain extent in Capricorn. Um, Capricorn has, you know, other significations too, but I think for the purposes of that fear and power struggle that Pluto takes us into, it's sort of like Pluto took us into the bowels of corruption of like every possible institution for like 16 years, right? Um, and I was, I was, so because I was like questioning myself after our last podcast, I was like, do millennials have. And I'm saying millennials because we came of age under this, like, this transit. Obviously, it impacted everybody. But, like, this is, like, the second we became adults and, like, through now, you know, this has been the prevailing, um, the prevailing configuration of Pluto. Um, And I was like, do millennials mistrust authority more than other generations? And I was like, I kind of think we do. Like, we're maybe not, like, as dramatic about it, but, um, like, the generations preceding us, not, like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm like, I'm pretty sure everyone I know distrusts authority. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to think. I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just, like, imagining this in my head because, you know, it's interesting because Gen- I think that Gen X has a similar, like, they don't trust authority, but they're definitely, like, it manifests as anger more mm-hmm. than it does for millennials. Like, we tend to be a little bit more like, well, you know, what are you going to do? You can't trust anybody. Nothing is reliable. Everyone's lying. But that's just how it is. You know, like, we're just like, ah. Yeah. Because, like, for people that I know that fall into the, you know, I hang out with a lot of folks from Gen X. It's a little bit more of, like, yeah, you can't trust them they're lying they're blah 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 and i'm like well yeah why would you cons- why why would it be any different like there's no right like it's just a given it's just a given for us in a different kind of way yeah i think that might be the the interesting maybe maybe that's what i'm or like just the the assimilation into our, our assumptions about reality is that like every structure is corrupted and none mm-hmm. of them can really be trusted um and and because um so the the part of it that I was like interested in revisiting is this idea that kind of like 
having Pluto in the sign of the father for like our entire adulthood, I feel like it kind of like kept a lot of us child childlike or something or um like in mm-hmm. in specific ways like not like we're still children i don't mean to like denigrate the entire this is actually meant to be like a a sort of like a love letter to millennials more than like making fun of us but like like that there's some aspect of our life where we kind of like have this quality of like being it's almost like being traumatized by the father archetype or something so that we kind of like have not allowed ourselves to grow into certain places of authority you know and I'm really curious about like the impact of Pluto moving and whether or not that will like give us space to kind of take the authority that we haven't taken because of our like relationship in general to authority and the sort of like presumption Mm -hmm. that like it just doesn't work like (laughs) that the systems don't work like authority as a concept almost is just like broken Mm -hmm. and false you know and I wonder if that has like impacted our ability to kind of like yeah well I think it's I mean I, I feel like it's been a really interesting exploration of how we want like we've had to kind of find our voice you know as a generation like we can't do the salesy thing you know because anybody that talks with that salesy thing where this is how things are and you're gonna do this if you do this thing you know like that like i don't know but most people i know are like suspicious 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 like as soon as you hear anybody talk that way um and so And I also feel like we're very, very dialed, like dialed into any kind of other salesy technique Mm -hmm. too, where we're just like, oh, they just are trying to, you know, oh, they're doing this because they want us to believe this or like, oh, it's happening, you know. And so, but that, that I think has stunted a lot of our ability to decide how we want to communicate and how we want, because it, you know, it's like, for me, and I, I think that I'm not alone in this, it's been a combination of feeling underpolished or like not able to communicate as with the same kind of authority and power behind my words and like articulate my message and package my message and, you know, all of these things. And it all, combined with an extreme resistance to even attempt to do so because it feels disingenuine. Hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, so I think a lot of us are trying to figure out, okay, how do I kind of do this, but do it in a way that feels genuine, the way a way that feels honest, a way that feels um, like I'm really being who I who I am, and I'm you know not just pandering to something or trying to leverage this into something else. Um, like, how do I remain true to what I'm trying to do? Um, and I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people do it. Like, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people, like, in our age range be like, oh, interesting. That's how they're deciding to do this. Yeah. That's how they're deciding to communicate this. This is how they're deciding to structure this. Like, it's really kind of, it feels like we're all just kind of coming to this, like, okay, well, we're just going to do it. We're not going to do it the way that it has been done. Yeah. We're just going to come forward as, like, the... So it's like you're kind of saying that we don't, because, like we've gone through this 
16-year-long process of Pluto sort of highlighting this, like, not just the corruption of every possible system of authority, um, but taking us into the bowels of the, like, deep dysfunction, like, of uh, the okay. systems, it's almost like, how can we be authorities and communicate authoritatively when, in fact, <laughs> like, every authority system that we have encountered in our life has been just like is is like a smoke so it's it's not it's either crazy violent like out of uh dysfunctional violently dysfunctional um or it just doesn't work you know it's like all (laughs) been dismantled into chaos or proven to have never really been honest or truly functioning at all or at least not in our lifetimes you know Mm -hmm. and sort of like you know so then how where do we where do we fit into that you know Uh like whereas you would think and maybe this was the case um for like like the boomers um or maybe for gen x i don't really know but like you know Instead of saying, like, okay, I'm going to be the authority since the other authorities are, like, not functioning. We are kind of like, oh, we're not going to, we're not even going to, we can't even, we don't even know where we fit into this game. We can't even pretend, like, we have authority or, you know, we're not going to try to try to replace the vacuum, you know, we're not going to try to step into the vacuum or, or step into the process or something. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. So <laughs> no, 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 uh, that's fine. It's, it's interesting because it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, about Pluto being um, about power because it, and like you were saying, power can be really bad, Yeah, but it can also be really good and it's just inherently neutral and maybe something about, you know, having this Pluto and Capricorn transit happened when it did in our lives. It just, we had to completely reorient our relationship with power. Yeah. And we're still trying to figure out how do we have power and how do we use power in ways that are not yeah terrible and embarrassing and shameful, you know? Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll find out Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> or when is it moving? Is Everything it... will change. No, um, yeah, Saturday moves no, into Saturday moves into Aquarius. So, yeah, I actually I wrote. Okay, so what I did, and I don't think we're actually gonna have time to do this because I ranted too much about my my marriage, um, my my divorce. Um, but I kind of I wrote down. I went through some of like the big, um social like movements but also uh patterns and events and like long-term issues that correlated really directly with pluto and capricorn um Mm -hmm. and i kind of was like i wanted to talk a little bit about but how examining sort of like 
the aspect structure during these different events, we can kind of see more of how Pluto operates and how mm-hmm. um, it, it's really interesting. So I did it um, really in depth with the Arab Spring, um, which was so fascinating um, because you could see like how Pluto is sort of like this force that is like providing this uh, immense focus and energy around these issues of corruption, right? Government corruption, uh, government violence um, that kind of ignited a whole region with like an immense focus on it and a lot of energy to address the problem. Um, But then as other planets aspected Pluto, um, you can see it kind of morph and shift in different directions. Like Mars comes in as a trigger and lights the whole thing off. And then Jupiter moves into a square and you see these like positive, benefic things happen. And then you see Uranus come in and then it's like Uranus is, is um, squaring Pluto and there's like all this out of control Shakti and power that just like, um, you know, spreads um sp- spreads the in- the initial events like vast across the region and like you know everything unspools into a huge amount of of violence and there's a lot more chaos so it's just it's really interesting when you when you look at the dates and you kind of see the planets um the inner planets and in the case of Uranus other outer planets like spreading and furthering the story that Pluto is just kind of like, like almost like holding the gate open for, you know, Mm -hmm. and that turned out to be like a really interesting example. And I'd love to talk about it more like in depth um, because it's another, it's like a really great global um, sort of example of that transformation that initiative transformation that the opening of the door that Pluto does and how especially in the um in the collective it's really hard to get that thread pulled all the way through to any sort of positive transformation right because there's so many different people at play there's nations at play there's so many interests that you know like almost inevitably Pluto is going to cause unfortunately a huge amount of violence and a huge amount of despair and like all of these things that are really hard to like on a large scale pull into anything, you know, neat or tidy. Um, And then, you know, we can look at the, the collapse of the banking industry that that happened in 2008 that was the ingress of Pluto mm-hmm. into the second house of the United States which is money and finance um so Capricorn is the second house of the US as like a nation so Pluto moves in the banking system you know explodes and collapses um we have the me too movement that like maps really clearly onto Pluto's um the Pluto Uranus um, square we have, or excuse me, um, 
Saturn's transit through Capricorn. So the Saturn um, Pluto conjunction, we have um, the both the initial um, create like the Black Lives Matter as like sort of the, a concept and the organization, the kind of creation of that being within this like two to three year window of um, Uranus square Pluto and Capricorn. And obviously is underpinning a, you know, an issue that pervades American society and has for, you know, hundreds of years, but that, that movement. But, Ur but Uranus. Yeah. Explode, yeah. Yeah. Sort of concretizing it in the, in the discourse in a specific way. Um, and then we have the pandemic, which was the Saturn Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. Um, and, you know, at the same time, um, more police violence, police, the police as an institution, um, and the, all of that coming under, you know, major review. And then also the entire Trump presidency, like is Saturn in Capricorn with Pluto. So it's like, this isn't like, I don't, I never intend for this to be like a political podcast, but like, there's actually so much to talk about um, this transit in particular and sort of like to unpack about the impact that it's had on, on everybody. But I feel like because I'm millennial, I'm centering myself, but also our generation sort of coming of age in this, it's like <laughs> every institution globally just like either being dismantled, you know, or proving itself to be eminently corrupted. Um, you know, like in the case of the banking system, like, you know, everything built on these like toxic securities and like credit default swaps and all of these like literally fake, you know, um, assets. You know, it's just, it was just, um, I think because Uranus squared Pluto during this particular Pluto transit, a lot of the significations of Pluto just got amplified in a way that they don't get in every Pluto transit. So it's probably just going to have to be a whole other episode um, where mm -hmm. we talk about this, because what I really like to do is talk about all of, and spend a little bit of time looking at the transits. And so people can kind of see how, um, how Pluto generates these themes and then how the other planets come along and kind of like spread them <laughs> ignite them you know but then also can you, do, can you do screen sharing on this yeah yeah for sure okay great so people can see yeah watch that yeah, yeah we can screen share it and then um but then also talk about how like this <laughs> this pluto through capricorn um transit has really set the stage for a lot of the drama that I think Pluto and Aquarius will bring. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a whole podcast on it because I do want to hear more about it while I'm not like just <laughs> panicking looking at the time. I have to, I have to go host a ch for Paige, um, which is a traditional practice that is specifically meant to offer up fear. 
Um, so my fear evening continues. Right. Of course. Yeah. Go, go, go. And we'll continue this conversation very soon with a whole nother episode um, on everything we missed. Okay. Uh, we love you guys. And Tess, I love you and have a great night. I love you too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.